Good morning and welcome to Calvary Baptist. Whoa. Good morning and welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. My name is Mary Alice and I am the pastor here at Calvary. And if you are new in this space, we are really glad you're here and want you to know that you are welcome here. You'll need a worship folder and one of the hymnals in front of you to guide you in worship today. Also, if you are new, we would be honored for the opportunity to follow up with you later this week by email or phone to get to know you better. And one way that can happen is if you'd be willing to fill out the visitor card in your pew and place it in the offering plate later in the service. That's also a way that you can ask for more information about different ministries here at Calvary or to let us know how we can be praying with you in the coming week. So at Calvary, whenever someone new joins our community of faith, we say that we pledge ourselves to be the family of God for one another in this place. And these are words we take seriously. And this morning, I have some hard news to share with the Calvary family. You'll notice that our beloved music minister, Randall Bradley, and his family aren't here today. Back in April, Randall's wife, Brenda, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. For the past six months, we have been walking the long road of cancer together with the Bradleys, and it seems that this road may be coming to an end soon. Uh, last week, I wasn't here because Brenda was taken by helicopter to Dallas for emergency surgery to stop some internal bleeding caused by her tumor. However, Brenda's internal bleeding has returned and doctors shared with the Bradleys yesterday that they have done everything they can possibly do to care for Brenda. She has fought the good fight with courage, spunk, and faithfulness at absolutely every moment. Brenda, Randall, Isaac, and Hannah spent good time together yesterday as a family, sharing their grief, their hopes and dreams for one another, and some of their favorite family memories. And today, Brenda will go home and will begin hospice care. She likely has days left, according to what the doctors have shared. And so today, we hold the Bradley family especially close as we do what is one of their very favorite things to do and exactly what they would want us to be doing today. And that is to worship together wholeheartedly in this space. You know, I will never forget a moment this summer when the Bradleys were in a particularly difficult moment and Randall and I were talking at the chemo center and he said, Mary Alice, this is the biggest mess I've ever been in in my life. And I took his hand and I said, yes. And I believe that God meets us in even the messiest spaces. That's where God shows up best. And so I hope that we can all cling to those words today and trust that God meets us here. God meets us in our pain and our sadness. God meets us in our anger. God meets us when we just don't have words to say. And only God gives us a hope beyond hope that death never, ever gets the final word. Amen.
of our God and King. Lift up your voice and with us sing. Alleluia, alleluia. Thousanding sun with golden beam, thou silver moon with softer gleam. Oh, praise him, oh, praise him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Thou rushing wind that art so strong, ye clouds that sail in heaven along, oh, praise him, Alleluia. Find the voice, oh, praise him, oh, praise him, alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Thou flowing water, pure and clear, make music for thy Lord to
Calvary family, when we gather in our home to pray, even when we invite guests, we join hands to pray. And so I would ask you to join hands with those next to you across the aisle, and let us pray as a family together. In the beginning, Lord, you brought order out of chaos. We changed order into chaos. Since then, we have continued to mess things up, and you have faithfully loved us and helped us through our mess. You have always been attending to us, and we often find ourselves attending to us as well. One of the things that we have messed up the most is our relationship with those most dear to us. We confess, Lord, that we often miss the needs of others simply because we're too focused on ourselves. We often misunderstand each other because we are too concerned about our own preferences or well-being. We often miss the most immediate need because we are too preoccupied with yesterday or tomorrow. Lord, when we see pain, help us give compassion and understanding. When we see fear, help us bring confidence. When we see worry, help us be a voice of steadfastness. When those around us are overwhelmed, help us be a voice of peace and calm. When someone is lost, help us be their companion. When we see anger, help us give grace. And when we experience grief, let us bring comfort. Holy God, we ask that you help transform us with your heart, your eyes, your ears, so that we are instruments of your compassion, your kindness, your gentleness, so that we can begin to experience your kind of joy your kind of peace, your kind of hope. Amen. It 
I am saying this so no one may deceive you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. And I rejoice to see your morale and the firmness of your faith in Christ. This This is is the the word word of the Lord. church family. Where does God meet me in my mess? I could share how I was born with congenital heart disease and have endured five heart surgeries. 
And in about 10 years, I'll have another open heart surgery. That is a mess I will always constantly seek to find God in. Or perhaps I could talk about how I hold the title of being the first Baptist pastor accused of sorcery. <laughs> Having a side gig as a magician, well, I didn't know if I should take that as a compliment or not. All jokes aside, it was obviously a dramatic time in my family's life and a complete mess where I struggled to find God. Or I could talk about the mess of raising two kids who are, in fact, very, very messy and loud, which has become more difficult with the recent death of my mother. I knew she helped us out so much, but I guess I never realized about how much until she was gone. Yes, the loss of a mother, unbelievable, a very painful mess. No. Rather, this morning, I want to talk about another mess in my life, in my family's life, and if I'm honest, a mess that affects everyone I know. Hello, my name is Blake Harridge, and I'm an alcoholic. An alcoholic. That sentence might sound strange to you. But it's a sentence that I have been learning to say and accept for four years when I first began the recovery process. Alcoholic. I hated that word. I hated that word because all the baggage I felt like it came with. Shame, overwhelming shame. Shame that I let this happen. Shame that I was not strong enough. Shame that I could hurt my body. Shame because how people would view me if I took up the label of being an alcoholic. The shame I would feel when I slipped up and the tears and the self-hatred that would follow. For it was in those moments of overwhelming shame and self-hatred that God met me. My wife has been a saint and continues to be through my road of recovery. Her love and the love of my children have been an invaluable during this time. And, and, and I never want to undervalue her role. But it has been the love of God that has allowed me to take the first step on that road. I remember struggling to accept that I'm an alcoholic. I thought it was just a phase. I thought it was something I could overcome, that if I was just strong enough, I could not let this define me. I could sweep it under the rug and live a life where no one needs to know that I used to struggle with alcohol. Then I would wake up the next morning with a cloudy memory. I would feel the guilt rise up in my stomach and my mind would be overcome with thoughts of self-hatred and shame to such an extent that I would have trouble breathing. I just wanted to hide. I wanted to scream at God, why, why me? But I couldn't because it was me who drank in the first place, which would then make me feel more shame. It was in those messy moments that God met me. I felt his love. I felt love, and it might sound silly, but it hit me that God loves me right then 
And right there, in that dark moment, God loves me. Even if I chose to keep drinking to my detriment, God would still love me and would never, ever leave me. It was that love that helped me get help, to ask for help. And so today, I'm on that road of recovery, a road that I wanted to make known to my church family because it's a road that I'll be traveling on the rest of my life. I began this journey through going to AA where I found that I was not alone. I did get a sponsor, and and during that part in my journey, it was very beneficial. Also, through it all, I continue to go to therapy to help keep me accountable. This is a road that I only chose to walk because God met me, embraced me in my mess. You know, even though I claim the term alcoholic, I know one thing for sure. That term does not define me. It will never define me. And it might sound strange, but I am no longer ashamed. I am proud. I am joyful. I celebrate that I am sober, and that is not something I wish to hide, but proclaim. So I claim that joy, because God met me in the mess of alcoholism. May we always remember There's no mess too crazy for God. Christ, 
Calvary family, let us pray together. God, we find ourselves in an unsettled world today. And we ourselves are unsettled this morning as we carry grief, pain, and burdens of our Calvary family into this space. But we know that you meet us here, and we carry none of this alone. We lift up Ethan Molnari, whose father's been in the hospital this week due to cancer growing back in his body. Lainey Williams, who's recovering from a surgery on her arm this week. Phil Sitton, recovering from a procedure on his ear. Gina Deeds Page's sister Mary, who had emergency surgery from a car wreck this week. We pray for Billy Canterbury, waiting on news from the doctor about her heart. For Linda Doolin's brother, Ted, undergoing treatment for prostate cancer. For Jeanette Rudd's mother, recovering from bone marrow procedure. For Brandon and Sarah Doyle, as they continue their fertility journey. And for the Doyles and the Stoners, as they walk alongside them. For Josh Borderud's father, diagnosed with metastatic cancer earlier this year. And for Blake Carriage, as he continues to walk the road to recovery that he so bravely shared with us this morning. God, we are heartbroken this morning for the Bradley family. We pray for strength for Brenda in each and every coming hour. Assure her of your steadfast love and abiding presence with her every moment. May she know the love of so many people all around the world who are praying for her and holding her close. We pray for Randall, for the strength to walk through this dark valley, and for the assurance that he does not walk it alone. God, may he feel sustained by your spirit with him. We pray for Hannah and Isaac. God, meet them in their grief and sadness. Comfort them in their pain. Help us to know how to be the family of God with them in this place as we walk the difficult days ahead. And even in the midst of our sadness, help us to cling to the hope of resurrection and new life. Help us to remember that it is only in the darkness when your light shines best. And so even in our sadness, we boldly celebrate new life among us in this place. God, we praise you for the news that Janice Gertensen's son, Seb, is in remission. We pray for confidence to face the coming days with courage and resilience. We pray for all those in the Calvary family who are expecting babies in the coming months, that you would keep them healthy and strong. For Jeremy and Katie Cruz, 
Carlisle and Ethan David Heiser, Evan and Lori and Fleming, and Erica and Isaac Hernandez. And God, now we take a moment to lift up those people and situations that haven't been named but are sitting right here on our chest this morning. God, may we be people who live with defiant hope, people who hold our grief and our gratitude hand in hand, and people who trust you with it all. Because when the world feels totally unsettled, God, truly our hope is in you. Amen. Now, gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found pleasing to you. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this might sound a little bit crazy, but bear with me. I had an epiphany of sorts when I went to grab baby spinach out of my fridge the other day. Some weeks, if Harrison and I know we're going to be exceptionally busy, we will order food from a food delivery service like HelloFresh. So this week was one of those weeks. So Tuesday night, Harrison made smoked Gouda burgers for us. And as I went to prepare my burger, I realized that HelloFresh hadn't included lettuce or tomatoes to go on the burger, which I thought was really weird. And I'm one of those people who needs something other than meat and cheese on my burger, which I thought was just a Texas thing that only people ate meat and cheese on their burgers, but apparently it's an all HelloFresh thing. So I went to grab the baby spinach from the fridge and put something lettuce on. And after getting what I needed, I folded the package up. I went to go put it in the fridge. And on the back of the package in little letters, it said, join our Facebook community to learn the latest news about products, great offers, and more. So even the lettuce in my fridge is asking me to join its community. <laughs> Intrigued by their choice of word and community, I decided to do a little digging on the types of modern communities we're faced with every single day. I realized that communities become less of a face-to-face -face thing and much more digital, which can be both a good and simultaneously not so good thing. So here's some details about what I found out. Facebook and social media is a huge source of community for people these days, as all of y'all probably already know. After exploring the dull, I said dull lettuce, but I've realized they make much more than just lettuce, but after exploring the dull Facebook page, I found that they have 1,849,000 followers. And the description of their community is as follows. Welcome to the Dole Facebook page. We're really glad you are here. This is your space to share opinions and spark conversations with other Dole fans from around the world. We like to think of this page as a place where users are encouraged to learn from one another, ask us questions, and a forum where you should feel comfortable about discussing a delicious, simple, and nutritious lifestyle. So another community I've been hearing a lot about lately is the fitness community, specifically the Peloton. Who knows what a Peloton bike is? Raise your hand. Okay, most of you, some don't. So for those of you that don't, 
The Peloton bike is this high-tech and high-end indoor bicycle. It has a Wi-Fi enabled 22-inch touchscreen tablet on the front of the bike, and it streams live and on-demand classes. So you can be live watching a teacher teach or just pull one up that's already been done. And you can actually compete with other people across the country. So if you're in Waco on the bike in a live class, you're competing with people in New York and Australia and Ireland and all these other places. Um, so by Peloton's numbers, more than 500,000 members use the bike or the app or visit the New York studio. And the company has actually sold more than 150,000 bikes which is a lot considering I think they're like $4,000. Um, so lots of bikes and a big Peloton community. So then there are the classic multi-level marketing companies, which if you are a member of that, I'm not throwing shade, just not my jam. But those companies vehemently claim that they are community. And to me, it's mostly people from my high school asking if I need better skin or need to clean my house without chemicals. And so I try and avoid that as much as possible. Because I live in a town where I don't run into people from my high school at the grocery store, which I'm very grateful for. But alas, it's a community that's present in our world nonetheless. Finally, the digital community that I'm probably most a part of is the podcast community. I love a good podcast. And an example of a podcast that I might argue has a strong community is the Tony Kornheiser, Kornheiser Show. Hank loves this podcast, and it's one of the only ones that we both enjoy, and so we find ourselves listening to it frequently if we're together in the car. So Tony's show, according to his website, is a topical daily talk show that starts with sports and quickly moves into politics, current events, entertainment, and whatever happens to be on Mr. Tony's mind that day. This podcast has a devout following, and those who enjoy the show and are de dedicated followers refer to themselves as littles which is just odd, but Hank would be one of those people referring to himself as a little. So this simply means that they're part of that community. I realized when I was doing all this research that many of the modern day communities we allude to are not reciprocal. They're one way. We hear from people, we see people's picture, and we even feel like we've gotten to know people because of the technology that we have at our fingertips. And as an introvert who really dislikes conflict, I actually sometimes prefer this kind of community. So as I prepared for this sermon, I did more research around this word and how we as a society and culture understand it. What I found interesting wasn't the newspaper articles I found that said community was important because I think we could all agree on that, but the number of articles that I found that said community was a key to being a happy person. In fact, the most common piece I continue to come across referenced a Harvard study that con was conducted over 80 years that proved embracing community helps us live longer and be happier. And I would say that maybe even to my detriment, I expect community to do this. If I'm in community with others, then I'm going to be surrounded by people who care about me in my life. I'm going to have a support system in place, great friends who care what I say and how I'm feeling, and a group of people who take me just as I am. But because we've discovered how significant community can be in our lives, I think we've forgotten that just because it's good doesn't mean it's always easy. Sure, maybe community means I'll be happier in the long term, but there are some days when being in community with others is tough. I think today is one of those days for the Calvary family. 
And I'm not even talking about conflict. I'm just talking about the fact that heartbreaking things happen to wonderful people. I've also begun to wonder that as community becomes more of this lifestyle people hope to attain, if we're losing touch with what the true meaning of community is. So today, as we wrap up our series on messy lives, we're actually gonna open a can of worms about messy community. And I do realize, as I was going over this last night, that at this point in my message, I've only told you what I think community is not, instead of what community is. So here's my very basic, not complex definition of community. I think it might just be one of the messiest things of all, actually. At its core, community is relationship between humans. We've all heard those go-to, tried-and-true Bible verses about community, and I bet some of us, myself included, even memorized a bunch of them in elementary school. So here are some of the ones you might know. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers, or sisters, dwell in unity. Romans 12. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Galatians 6, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then the classic oldie but goodie from Matthew, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am among them. These all sound wonderful. Well, we might find sometimes biblical community was just as messy and just as confusing as our own. In Mark 9, the passage that Tiffany and Elise just read for us, we find Jesus and his disciples traveling. They are returning to Jerusalem and taking the road through Galilee. And while they're walking, Jesus says to them, probably while they're still on the road, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. Of course, Jesus is referring to himself, and this is actually the second time in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus has predicted his death and resurrection. So then, after Jesus says this and makes this pronouncement, Mark tells us that the disciples didn't understand what he meant, and that they were afraid to ask him about it. As I read through this passage again and again, I had several initial reactions to this scenario from Mark 9. My first reaction, coming from the perspective of Jesus. How mad would I be if I had just told my closest friends that I was going to be killed and they basically had no reaction or were too scared to respond? And I know myself well enough to accept that I would not have handled the disciples' response as gracefully as Jesus. Reaction number two, from the perspective of the disciples. If I were a disciple, how scared would I be if a leader in my life told me that they would be killed and come back from the dead three days later? And I can tell y'all right now that if Mary Alice said she was dying and coming back from the dead three days later, I would not know what to say. But to me, what really pushes this story over the edge is not that the disciples pretty much ignored Jesus' prediction but that they immediately begin to have conversations about which one of the, the disciples is the greatest. Maybe they were talking about who is the smartest, the best looking, the funniest, or the most faithful, who knows. But the bottom line is that they were ignoring the words of a friend to talk about themselves. It's easy to give the disciples a hard time when we read passages where they seem aloof. I believe on Wednesday night in youth groups, 
I th it might have been me, I even said they were weaselly. But their lack of perception is frequently on display, especially in Mark's gospel. And this section, chapters 8 through 10 of Mark, is actually called the disciples discipleship section. And it's most often characterized by the fact that most of the time the disciples don't understand what Jesus is saying to them. So I chose this passage today because I think it exemplifies something for us that might be a hard pill to swallow. Even Jesus' community was not perfect. One commentary I found said that this story exemplified that the disciples were behaving in a way that was deepening their separation from Jesus. Frankly, the way Jesus experienced his disciples on the road to Jerusalem isn't unlike what happens to us when we're in community with others. We hear, but we aren't always sure how to respond. Sometimes we're even scared to respond, and that results in a deepening of separation from our community. Or we share something vulnerable. Someone in our community hears us, but they might not know how to respond or be too scared to respond, and that results in a deepening separation from our community. And I have to think that maybe even if it was for a split second, Jesus was disappointed by his community that day. Just as Jesus might have been disappointed, so we might be too. Nadia Boltzweber, author and former pastor, wrote this in her book, Pastrix. She shares that every time her church had a welcome brunch for newcomers, she had a certain speech of sorts prepared. The newcomers would go around the room and share how they came to the church and what they appreciated about the, that place and those people. And here's what Nadia does next, and I quote her. I tell them that I love hearing their stories and that I, too, love being in a spiritual community where I don't have to add or take away from my own story to be accepted. But I have learned something by belonging to communities in the past. This community will disappoint them. It's a matter, it's a matter of when, not if. We will let them down or I'll say something stupid and hurt their feelings. I then invite them on this side of their inevitable disappointment to decide if they'll stick around after it happens. If they choose to leave when we don't meet their expectations, they won't get to see how the grace of God can come in and fill the holes left by our community's failure. And that's just too beautiful and too real to miss. You see, I think that we often forget community is nothing new. Community is as old as humanity. The very first humans on this earth likely had their people. The people that walked with them through the good and the bad and the sad and the celebrations. And that's why as humans we long for community. We often search for the perfect circumstances of people who get us, who are enough like us, that we're comfortable but different enough from us that we still feel good about ourselves. But community isn't formulaic. It's not centered around a type of lettuce or an exercise bike, or as much as I don't want to say this, it's not centered around a podcast either. Community is human, face-to-face, voice-to-voice, living life together. The reason why people want to change the idea of community into something else is because it's messy and it's sad and it's not always fun. 
but the fact that it is messy and it is sad and it isn't always fun is exactly what makes it sacred. So it's my hope that my words this morning have not so much convinced you that community is important, but I hope they will cause you to rethink your perceptions of community as it is. And remember that those holes in our communities are right where God can come in and fill up. As the letter to the Colossians reads, may we be encouraged in heart and united in love. Let's remember today that we aren't inventing anything new. Rather, by participating in messy lives together, we're participating in a tradition that has withstood the test of time. A messy tradition that even the Son of God was a part of. Life together was modeled for us by Jesus and those he met along the way. It is my hope and my prayer that we may all live a life worthy of his example. Let's pray. You, God, have welcomed us all to your table, every human being and your own child. May we dwell together in unity. Help us to see mess as a way for your grace to be seen and understood in new ways. And may our messes somehow be fruitful in ways that glorify you. May we learn most of all to meet you in the mess. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So from the beginning of creation, God has been working with chaos to make something beautiful. Even Jesus moved towards people's messes instead of away from them. And living in community with people calls us to step into that messiness. So maybe you're here in a mess today. Maybe you're in a season of life where a mess is behind you, or maybe you see a mess coming your way now. As you've heard today, there are new ways to actively trust in God despite the chaos that seemed to surround us. If you want to begin that journey, if you'd like to know more about joining this community of faith, or if you'd simply like someone to pray with you, there'll be ministers in the back to receive you as we continue in worship.
ago, we started this series with a messy sanctuary, with everyone's t-shirts thrown in piles all around the room. And you'll notice that the mess hasn't gone away. We're not tidying everything up at the end of a series because that's not true to real life. We know that all too well. But over the course of the series, we have also been weaving together strips of t-shirts piece by piece. And today we end by receiving communion over this beautiful cloth that has been woven together with messy t-shirt fragments belonging to the whole Calvary family. It's an important reminder that even in the messiest of situations, God meets us here. On the last night of his life, Jesus certainly must have felt like he was in a mess. And yet he took time to share a meal with his friends. He took time to tell them that he was giving his very life for them and that whenever they ate this bread and drank from this cup, they could do so in remembrance of him. And so today, in the midst of our own messes, we gather to do the same, trusting that Jesus will meet us here. We'll be coming to different stations around the sanctuary for the Lord's Supper, including a gluten-free station in the back. Please exit your pew on the right and return on your left. Feel free to sit and pray for a moment and to come forward when you feel led. Children who have not made a profession of faith in Christ, you are invited to come forward here to receive a blessing. And if any of you would like to receive communion uh, where you are, just raise your hand and a deacon will come to you. So today we come to the table to remember again how the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take this and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, whatever mess in which you find yourself today, Jesus meets us here. We are carrying the weight of our sin and our mistakes, and we are met with grace. We come with anxiety and fear about what lies ahead, and somehow we receive hope. We come with doubts and disillusionment, and we are met with an experience of faith that we can touch and taste. We may come feeling alone or forgotten, and yet we lock eyes with another person, another member of the family of Christ. We come to this space weary, and we receive bread for the journey and strength for one more day. And so friends, you are invited to come to the table.
going to let you all be seated for just a moment. Um, thank you for being here today. Thank you for your beautiful singing choir, for your preaching alley, for your testimony, Blake, for the songs and prayers that have been lifted in this place. I think that is what we all needed uh, to experience the presence of God in this place, and I am overwhelmingly grateful for that. A few things to remember as we go today. First, I wanted to say thank you to some of the people who have helped behind the scenes with this messy series. Uh, Harrison DeHay built our loom that we were weaving on each week of this series. And then Kimberly Bobbitt, Sherry DeHay, Clara Holliman, and Jeanette Rudd were very instrumental behind the scenes with all of our t-shirts and stripping t-shirts and weaving to make this beautiful cloth. Um, and then Blake Carriage actually mentioned to me before the service, do we have plans for that? He said, why don't we take that to Brenda as a blanket that she can wrap up in, surrounded by the whole Calvary family? And so that's what we'll be doing today. Thanks so much, Blake, for that idea. If you are a Truett student, I hope you will join us for lunch on Wednesday at 12 o'clock. Uh, it's just a chance to get to know new Truett students and for you to get to know more of the Calvary family. Um, we ask that you RSVP with Tanisia um, by Monday, and that information is in the worship folder. Also, a huge thanks to everyone who helped in the community yard sale this weekend and the days leading up to it. Especially huge thanks to our missions team and to our youth and all of your families for all your hard work and making that great event possible. And then Will would be remiss if I did not mention that today is um, Lord's Supper Sunday, and so we will also be receiving the Samaritans Fund, which goes toward emergent needs in our church and community. Um, and I am grateful that you give generously to that. Last, I just wanted to share some parting words on the Bradleys. The Caring Bridge is the absolute best way to stay up to date on how they're doing that. Randall is updating that very regularly, um, and so I ask that you check that. You can even sign up so that it will send you an automatic email every time they update. We do ask that we could come together and honor their need for family time in the next couple of days. The doctor has encouraged them to spend as much time together as possible, and we want to protect and honor that sacred space for them. So we ask that you please don't just show up at their house right now. Uh, we are taking our lead absolutely from Randall and from the whole family about what they need from us and the best ways that we can care for them and walk alongside them. We have a care team already in place, and they will absolutely keep all of us updated if and when there are specific ways that we can come alongside them with meals and other avenues of support in the days ahead. Um, I asked Randall, is there anything else you want me to say? to Calvary, and he just said, please share our gratitude. They have been absolutely overwhelmed by the support they have felt from the Calvary family. So thank you so much. And now Will wants the mic. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, It's okay. Um, if I could have Allie and John and Jenny join us up here as well, that would be great. You, oh, Jenny's out of town. She's here in spirit. <laughs> um, you may or may not know that October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and um, I know and you all know that we have um, five pastors that serve us very well and love us all very well. Um, and it is also our honor to be able to love you well, and we do love you. Um, and so I have little gifts for each of you. Pass that down to John. 
it's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so the small gifts are, because I feel like everyone wants to know, right? Like what's in the hidden package? So coffee, so Starbucks in there, Starbucks gift card, a journal. And what I also want each of you to know that the church has gathered money um, and is going to donate it to Texas Baptist Women in Ministry um, in each of your names as well as Randall's and Jenny's um, just to um, say how much we love and are encouraged by you and thankful for each one of you and what you do every day. But don't go anywhere yet. Um, I would like us all to say something to them. And I think Mary Alice mentioned at the beginning of the service, um, the, what do we call it? <laughs> the welcome, the pledge, the whatever we do um, for new members um, each time a new member joins our church. And I think that it's important to remember to continue to say that to each other. Um, and I would like all of us, if you don't know, it's in, it says introduction and welcome to new members. Um, I would like to say that to you all again today to remind you that we love and that we are the family of God with you in this place. So um, if we're going to start with we pledge instead of in response. In response to your decision to continue to be here with us, right? So um, please join me. We pledge ourselves to be the family of God for you in this place. We offer you our love, our care, our kinship, and our hopes. We hope to learn from you, give to you, and receive <laughs> from you by God's grace. Thank you all so much. We are so grateful for your generosity to us. And I think this week especially has been a time when ministry is absolutely a giving and a receiving. And we are absolutely on the receiving end. I'm so grateful. Well, please stand and join me for the benediction that I will give from right here today. <laughs> Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment, and comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you, may Christ's mercy astound you, and may the Spirit abound in you, so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen. <laughs>